raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Half past 12 on a Tuesday. Jake Quarry along with Jimmy Cook here on 93.5, 107.5. The fan talking about the Colts, the Jonathan Taylor situation, Anthony Richardson as well. And I figured when it comes to young players that are trying to kind of get their footing underneath them in the National Football League, there would be few that would be better, certainly amongst those that are permanent residents of Indianapolis, probably nobody better than our next guest who joins us now on the hotline to talk about exactly that. He was the 1990 number one overall pick in the NFL draft after a successful career at Warren Central where he won back-to-back state titles and broke the heart of North Central amongst other schools in Marion County. Jeff George joins us on the program. Jeff, how are you? Good to talk to you. You too, Jake. Always good talking with you. Good seeing you the other night. I was looking forward to talking to you today. Well, and I'm sorry to interrupt your Andy Griffith viewing this afternoon, which I'm sure was probably part of the schedule. Um, Let's begin with this. I'm going to present this to you in a hypothetical, Jeff. You know, you came into a situation as a young player, and it's a little bit different for you, perhaps, because it was your hometown. There was a lot of, you know, you probably had some pressures and expectation in addition to what Anthony Richardson has, but it was a different franchise to an extent back then as well. But if you were to, if Chris Ballard were to call you on the phone right now or Shane Steichen, and they were to say, Jeff, you've been through it. How do we handle this guy in getting him used to being an NFL quarterback and bringing him along? What would your answer be? Well, you know, for me, it was, uh, like you said, it was a lot different. Uh, But I I think I was, uh, as a rookie, uh, I was prepared a lot different than I think the the quarterbacks coming into today's uh, game. Um, I was ready. You know, when I I remember when Ron Meyer sat me down and said, hey, we're going with you. Um, it wasn't a shock to me because I was prepared. You know, I had three years in college. I had all the games under my belt. I was uh, uh, in the pro-style offenses uh, um, each year. I, you know, the first year at uh, Illinois, and then or uh, first year at Purdue, and then two years at Illinois. So when I stepped foot on, uh, you know, when I came to Indianapolis, I was ready. I learned the offense early. I knew defenses. I was able to make all the checks and the reads and. I uh, was able to, you know, the big thing for a quarterback, the main thing you need to do is, you know, you have to understand, have a great grasp of protections. And I'm just not so sure that, uh, not that he can't, but I'm just not so sure he has the experience to come in here and uh, and do all that that you need to, to do as a, as the QB1, as a starting quarterback. And I think the best thing for him is uh, is to play the kid that came from Philadelphia, the, the Minshew kid. He has the experience. Take it, you know, sit on the sidelines, learn a little bit. Um, know the playbook like the back of your hand and uh you know just so he doesn't take those uh those early lumps and you know his confidence is shaken and um you have to learn it's it's a tough game it's uh it's it's a it's a great honor to be a, a starting quarterback in the NFL but it's going to take time so I'm just not so sure it's the right time for him to step in there especially because of the the talent that's around him 
Um, I couldn't even tell you, uh, you know, other than the Pittman kid, I, I couldn't even tell you some of the receivers, the linemen other than Nelson, um, you know, obviously Jonathan Taylor, but I couldn't tell you some of the players they have. So it's a young team. You have to sit back and let him develop. If he's your guy of the future, you just have to let him develop and watch a little bit and learn. And then, you know, maybe, you know, game five, if they're struggling and they're not in, in contention or anything, throw him in there and, and, you know, let him get the experience. But, I think he he just has to sit back and learn a little bit before he uh, before he takes that next step. When you look back, Jeff, and I don't know how much you know. I do think that now, from when you were playing, it is even more so. I mean, you led the league in passing yardage in the NFL for a season, but it's even more so a passer friendly league today than it was then. So with that, though, even though it's a passer-friendly league, that means that defenses are coming up with different looks, different stunts to confuse a quarterback. In your opinion, how many games does it take to start at the professional level before you truly feel like you have seen everything that you need to see to be able to recognize all looks? Well, you know, that's, that's kind of a tough question because um, it is different nowadays. Uh, but for me, in my experience, you know, I remember the the first game we we played at Buffalo, and Buffalo was the the team to beat for you know all of '90s, all the 1990s. And uh, to start at Buffalo, at Buffalo, I was, uh, um, you know, I was a rookie, and I really wasn't comfortable with with everything that we were doing, um, being able to make the checks, uh, the proper checks, the run checks, the passing game. Um, uh, you know, I just I I was prepared, but. Uh, the things that they were doing throughout the course of the game I hadn't seen before. And for me, it was probably around week seven, I think, was when I really felt comfortable with making everything that, that, that a starting quarterback needed to make. Uh, but until then, um, you know, it's going to take time. And, and again, I where I came from, it was a lot easier for me to make the adjustment than, the, uh, than it is now. So, um you know, they rely so much on the quarterback nowadays that you know, I know everybody's talking about Jonathan Taylor, um, and it's really a quarterback's game. You know that's why the uh, um, the need for a for a top notch running back isn't there anymore. I needed it. I needed Eric Dickerson. I needed a back to take the pressure off me. But your running back nowadays is your quarterback, so I'm not so sure there's a big need for a, for a running back nowadays. Jeff, in that same vein with how inexperienced and the accuracy issues that Anthony Richardson has had, and that's his his rep that's attached to him going into year one, does he need a running back more than other quarterbacks in the National Football League? Because I agree with you, it's evolved past that in today's NFL, but one could argue a luxury of a back as talented as JT could help his growth. Well, yeah, there's no question that, that you need a running back, but I'm not so sure that uh, for him to grow – uh, to to be the type of quarterback that he wants to be, I'm not so sure he really needs a, uh, an elite elite running back. I'm not so sure that defenses are going to uh, come up and you know and and you know put seven eight men in the box and and say hey we have to stop Jonathan Taylor to win the game. If Anthony Richardson's out there, if you know they're going to tell him hey if you're in your progression and your reads in the passing game, you look at this guy. You look at your first read. You look at your second read. And if that's not there, they're going to probably time just to take off. And you be Anthony Richardson. You be the running back. You be our running back. So I'm not so sure that uh, you know. Again, you know, it's the importance of having a running back uh, for a for a, for for somebody like me, a pro style quarterback, is a must. 
But for the game now, I'm just not so sure that defenses are going to really come up and say that, hey, we have to stop Jonathan Taylor uh, to beat the Colts. They're going to – they know what they have to do. They know they're playing against a rookie quarterback. Uh, he's their running back, and he's their passer. He's their offense. And you look at, you know, where, where Philadelphia was last year. Nobody really thought anything about Jalen Hurts and uh, the type of year that he had. I can't even tell you. Now, you guys probably know more about the rosters than I do, but I can't tell you Philadelphia's running back. All I, all you know is is the receivers uh, um, and, and Jalen Hurts. And, you know, the importance of them having a running back um, – is somebody that you have to be a third down back that's going to go out there and you know be a receiver in the backfield. That's what the game needs today, and uh, I think that's what the Colts are looking for. They're looking for a third down back, not a power back like a Jonathan Taylor. Jeff, when you look back at the running back position in particular, you mentioned Eric Dickerson, and my years may be off here, Jeff, so correct me if I'm wrong. I might be off by a year, but if I'm not mistaken, you know, you obviously had Eric as a rookie, when you were a rookie, I'm saying. And then I think it was in year two for you when Dickerson really had like the holdout and ended up getting suspended. And there were some issues there with Eric Dickerson. And you were a young quarterback trying to get your footing. And now all of a sudden, you know, your your Rolls Royce is not even in the garage. How big a distraction was that for you? How much of an impediment was it towards your growth? And can not necessarily the the lack of on-field production of Jonathan Taylor, but can the drama of Jonathan Taylor be a hindrance to Anthony Richardson? Well, I, I don't know if it, uh, for me, um, stunning my growth. I don't think it's stunning my growth. It it uh, it hurt me in a sense where I it, I got banged up quite a bit. Um, you know, again, we were different offenses compared to, you know, back in those days to it, what, what they are now. Um, I needed Eric Dickerson to take the pressure off me, not to, not to be better as a quarterback, not to, you know, learn the middle part of the game. I knew that. I knew offenses. I knew defenses. I needed Eric to st- – I needed him back in the backfield. So what you were saying earlier that, you know, hey, we have to load the box up to stop Eric Dickerson. If they stop Eric Dickerson, then it made it so much easier on me in the passing game. But the middle part of the game – what Anthony Richardson really has to do just right now is it's not a, a distraction for him not having a right. He just has to grow as a quarterback. He has to learn. You can't worry about that. He has to be, uh, you know, again, uh, the smartest player on the field. He has to uh, know every position on the field. He has to know every, you know, what every protection is, every route is, what the receivers are doing, running backs are doing, what defenses are doing, what fronts are doing, what coverages are doing. And, that really has nothing to do with the running back. So he, he just has to go out there, get in the playbook, study, get bigger, faster, stronger, uh, you know, become a better passer. Uh, I was watching a little bit of the, uh, the, uh, the first preseason game and, you know, some mechanics and fundamentals are, are a little bit off, but there's no doubt that he has a ton of talent. He's raw. Um, but I needed Eric Dickerson more than Anthony Richardson needs Jonathan Taylor. When you see him – Talking about Anthony Richardson, Jeff George is our guest, the former quarterback for the Colts. Uh, see if I can do this, Jeff. The Colts, Raiders, not in particular order. Falcons, Vikings, Bears, Seahawks, uh, and Washington. Did I miss one? Uh, no, I, that, <laughs> that sounds about right. Um, and, and I would say, me personally, I think of Jeff George's best quarterbacking years with the Raiders, by the way. Would you say Raiders or Falcons are the ones that you look most fondly on? 
Um, to be quite honest with you, I was uh, the most comfortable uh, when I was in Minnesota. Actually, Minnesota, you're right. I, Chris Carter and Randy Moss, pretty good tandem to throw to. Yeah, they were, and uh, you know that's that's really the only way you're as a quarterback, somebody like me. The only way, you know, obviously, it's, you know, everyone says you need talent around you, and you know, they just surround you with you know receivers, running backs, linemen. You need a defense. That really is the quarterback is only going to go as far as his team, and you know, I know we're all talking about the Colts, and we all want them to go, you know, get back to the playoffs, go to the Super Bowl, and have great success. But I'm just not so sure that they have the players. Uh, that that surround Anthony Richardson, you know, is going to allow him to be the player that he wants him to be, the player that they believe that he can be. You just need to you need to look back in your past and your history, and and you know, I loved Andrew Luck. I thought Andrew Luck was probably the, the greatest quarterback um, the Colts have ever had. And you know, nothing against Peyton. Peyton's great, and everybody loves Peyton. But what what Andrew Luck did, if Andrew Luck was uh, had the talent that Peyton had. Heck, if I if I had the talent that was here, uh, you know, in the late '90s, 2000s, I think I'd be a cult for the next 20 years. And you know, people ask you, and you have regrets. What regrets do you have in your career? And you know, I think the one regret that I have is I didn't retire as a cult. You know, Jimmy Ursay drafted me. He believed in me. He, uh, you know, he always said that, uh, hey, Jeff, you're going to be a Hall of Fame quarterback. And and uh, I, for me, I just got bad advice. I didn't have the the representation that uh, said, "Hey Jeff, look, this is what you need to do," and and you know you stay the course and you work hard and you be, you know be the leader of the team, you be the face of the franchise and be face of Indianapolis, and you're going to have great success. We're going to help you along the way. And I didn't have that. I, I didn't have um, you know the the organization wasn't as strong as it was back in uh, you know with Bill Polian and, and now with Chris Ballard and. Um, I didn't have anybody. You know, I had Jimmy Ursa, who's a great man, a great owner, um, but he was young and he really, you know, was inexperienced a, as well as I was. So you kind of you, you grow together, and um, you know, I, I just think it's so important. It's not just the players that you need. The the, the organization needs to be solid, and and uh, you know, it has to be same people year in and year out, same offense year in and year out. You can't change coaches all the time and have success. So. Um, I know I'm rambling here, Jake. I'm getting off. No, off I think it's a good stuff. point because, Jeff, th- th- what I've always wondered is this, and I think you and I have maybe privately touched on this a little bit, but but I'm going to tell you how it would be for me, and, and I think something that's probably misunderstood about you. It would be tough because he- here's my thought, Jeff. You get drafted by the Colts, and just like you're talking about, I mean, there, there's, you know, you get drafted in a time when the owner's calling in plays from the press box and, and they traded your best receiver and your best lineman to get there. And you're, you know, you got a hodgepodge line to, to a great extent. And I think they learned from that. I think the Colts learned from the mistakes they made and how they handled your tenure. And right. that benefited Peyton Manning and that benefited later. Andrew Luck to an extent, although Luck, you could make the argument about the line and other such things, but they did try to give him pieces. They drafted pieces for him that they thought were going to work for him. So clearly they learned from that. But Jeff, what would be difficult for me, and I know this is the, I, I want you to touch on this. I love Indianapolis. I love the people here. I love the city. And and what I've learned about you is I think you're the same. And so would it have been easier to swallow if your career had gotten off under the same kind of dysfunction if it had been in Houston or 
Tampa or Arizona as opposed to in your hometown, which is the place that more than anywhere else you would have wanted to have been able to have that cemented footprint? Yeah, it probably would have been a lot easier, obviously, if you if you go if I went somewhere else. But I wanted to come to, to Indianapolis. I you know I, I loved it. My family was here. You know, obviously grew up here. Um, I envisioned of you know uh, me someday leading the Colts to the Super Bowl. And you know, I, I there we all have regrets. You know, and the biggest regret that I have is like I said is that I didn't stay with the Colts. Um, I wish somebody would have came to me and said, Jeff, what you know, it has to work out here. Just Hey, just bide your time, work hard, be the quarterback that we know that you can be, give us time to build around you, and uh, you're going to do great things. The Colts are going to do great things. And uh, I just, uh, you know, after four years of getting beat up and pounded, um, not so sure my body could have could, could have taken anymore, but I wish somebody would have been in my corner, my, you know, whether it was my agent, somebody and said, hey, Jeff, look, it's going to get better in Indianapolis, you're – you're a Hoosier. You're a Hoosier for life. You love it there. Your family's there. And, uh, you know, yeah, that's the biggest regret I had. And if I think if I would have stayed the course, I know. I know what would have happened because I had a good owner in Jim, Jim Harris. Jimmy, Jimmy's great. He's, uh, um, he's a great owner. He wants to win. Um, if I would have stuck it out, I think I would have been a, a Colt for 20 years. I think I'd have had a couple Super Bowls under my belt. And, uh Everybody in Indianapolis would have been happy. So that's the biggest regret for me, that I didn't stick it out and uh, just give it a chance. And, um, you know, and that's kind of, that's kind of with, with, with Anthony Richardson. Jonathan Taylor right now, what he needs right now is just somebody to say, hey, you know what, Jonathan, go in there. you got a year left on your contract. Play your butt off. Show everybody here in Indianapolis what your worth is. Jimmy Ursay believed in it. He drafted you. Have a great year. We got a rookie quarterback. Bring him along. You two are the faces of the franchise, and uh, we're going to pay you the next year. Have a great year. Stay healthy. Show that you can stay healthy, and uh, it's going to work out. Just let the process run its course, and uh, and it'll all work out for him. He'll get what he wants. Maybe not the sixteen million that he wants. You know, they're just not paying running backs that, but he'll get the ten, eleven, twelve million dollars a year that that he wants. The thing that I that I worry about for him right now that he's going to turn into a to a, a Le'Veon Bell, you know the guy had it, had it made in Pittsburgh and you know he he got a little greedy, wanted money, wanted you know just if he'd have stayed there he'd have been a Hall of Fame running back and things would have worked out. So my advice to Jonathan Taylor is get in camp, get healthy number one. Hopefully you're healthy, have the type of year that you had, have a fifteen hundred you know yard uh, a year a season. Uh, get better at, at receiving because that's what they want you to do now. Work on your routes, you know, and become a better pass blocker, and we'll pay you what you want. He's not, he's not a Christian McCaffrey. He's not the type of guy, you know, the, the kid from San Diego that, um, you know, that, that's a running back, but it's more of a receiver playing running back. He's not that time of back. But go in there, work hard, prove your worth, and you have an owner that that believes in you. He he brought you here. And he'll take care of you. I promise you, Jimmy Ursay will take care of you if you do your job. Jeff, I wanted to get your perspective on what Gardner Minshew is dealing with. You battled in the NFL for 14 seasons, and, and he's at a point in his career where the opportunities that are in front of him are continuing to, to dream and work for being a starter while also having to mentor younger quarterbacks. What keeps you going when you're at that point in your NFL career, and, and what advice would you give to Gardner Minshew if he asked you about what motivates you to keep fighting for this NFL dream? 
Well, the motivation is just you love the game. You know, what better job in the world that you can have than a starting quarterback or a backup quarterback in the NFL? Uh, the, mon- the money's crazy. But as a player, you really don't play for the money. You just love the game. You love it. And for somebody like that, that's I, I think he's in a great situation. Coming from Philly, you know, your, your head coach was, was with you. He knows what you can do. Um yeah, I don't need to give Gardner Minshew any advice. He's been a starter in the league, and and he's played. And he, you know, his preseason, he's play, he's played well. So, I think he knows he's in a position where he's probably going to get some playing time. I'm not sure when it's going to be, but he has an opportunity to play. Um, but, you know, again, it, 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 you play the game because you love football. You know, I you know I started playing when I was what third, fourth grade, and. Uh, um, and then when the Colts drafted me, it was just like a, a dream come true, and to be able to come back and play through your hometown, uh, although we, you know, not much success. Uh, what a uh, an honor and a privilege for me to step on the what was it, the Hoosier Dome at the time, playing in the stadium that I played. Uh, Jeff, I've always said, man, you're the one guy that knows exactly how many lights were in the Teflon of the Hoosier Dome, right? Because you spent, <laughs> <laughs> you were able yeah, to count all of them. <laughs> Yes, and I felt that concrete pretty well. The, you know, they, I, w- I wish they'd have had the uh, the turf that they have now. You know, my body's probably would probably feel a lot much better in the mornings when I wake up. Hey, but, last thing, let me ask you this, Jeff, before we let you go. And I appreciate the time today. Um, as we watch Anthony Richardson, you know, tomorrow night preseason game number three, the second for him, eight o'clock, or excuse me, Thursday night, I should say, eight o'clock in Philly, and then in the regular season. As a football, as a guy like me who's not started in the NFL at quarterback, give me what I'm looking for. Either a that tells me that 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 Anthony Richardson is making strides. In other words, like what are you as a, as a as a veteran NFL quarterback who has an expert of the position as Jeff George does? Tell me what you're looking for that's going to show you that Anthony Richardson is progressing, and tell me what you're looking for that would be warning signs. Well, uh, they both go hand in hand. Uh, the number one thing is when when you're in the pocket, you just watch his head, watch how he reads, passing plays. You know, if he's going to, you know, his first his first uh, progression, second progression, third progression. When you see him hit a check down, a running back out of the backfield, you know he's made progress. Most guys must most young guys. You know, you're like I said earlier, you're you're reading two guys. You're one, two, you you panic. I don't want to say say the word panic, but you just don't know. You, you you don't know the offense as well as you should. So just go through your progression. Sit in the pocket. Trust your lineman. Make your reads. When you get when he finally gets to the third, fourth, fifth guy in the progression, you know he's made progress. So uh, if, if you see him and he, and he takes off early in the pocket, um, you know doesn't give the line. It doesn't trust your line. Um, and he takes off running, then you know he's just. He's going back to what what he knows best, what he knew, what he did in college, um, and you know he's not. Uh, I don't want to say not progressing well, but he just doesn't have the experience that that you want in your starting quarterback. Well, Jeff, it's a pleasure as always. I certainly appreciate it. And the good news is now that I'm in this time slot and not the mornings, that means that we can resume the one o'clock texting debates about whether or not Warren <laughs> or North Central should have won the eighty-five sectionals. <laughs> yeah, my my Warriors aren't. Uh, they didn't get off to a good start this week. Yeah, but I still think like you still think of Warren Central as Warren Central, right? Warren Central and BD are the two that I'm like, they could not win a game for three years, and I'm like, it's Warren and BD though, right? It's still That's big true, when you right? play them, you know. You know what, Jay? There's nothing better than Friday Night Lights. I love it. I played at all levels, college pros, and 
there's nothing and not a better feeling than going out watching a Friday night football game. It, it just takes you back. And when it was all innocent, when it all meant something and when it was just, you were just a kid and, uh, 55 years old now, and I, I still go back in some of the fondest memories of my career in my high school days. It's a lot of fun, man, and certainly you provided a lot of entertainment for a lot of people during those days. Jeff, appreciate it, and we'll talk soon, all right? Sounds good, Jake. Anytime. I appreciate it. That's Jeff George. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Uh, joining us now on the hotline... Mike Chappell, of course, with CBS4, has been covering the Colts throughout this process. Mike, uh, I will give you actually, not dealer's choice, but but um, player's choice. Would you like to start with Anthony Richardson or Jonathan Taylor? Uh, Jonathan Taylor. Because... Well, lost chap for a second. See, my head, my headsets. This, did you think this... it was yours? That it was your yeah. headset that did that? Do we still have Mike? <laughs> no, I think we lost chap momentarily. Okay, we'll we'll get him back on the line. We'll try to get Chap back. How's that? I was um, going to throw in also the fights that went on too. I'm sure Chap just wants to talk about that. You think Mike Chappell's ever been in a fight, like a fist of cuffs? Because I, I've in I never a fight outside of like brother fights. Yeah, I've never Beach been in Grove. a Beach Grove. He's you kidding me? He's probably in a fight last Thursday. <laughs> Beach Grove bowling alley. Do they still allow 24 hour smoking at the Beach Grove bowling alley? Is it still 24 hours? No idea. Yep. There was a. It is. I forgot Eddie was still here. Uh, the the Beach Grove Bowling Alley is a 24-hour. You can go bowling at like 3 in the morning. I can do that now. Hey, right? I think we got now, Eddie, is it still smoking in there? I don't know. I don't think okay. so. Okay. I'll, I'll uh, get you on the archive. One of the old school places that allowed that. Uh, do you want to ask Mike Chappell now that we have him back whether or not he's ever been in a fight? Have you ever been in a fight, a fist of cuffs in your life? No. Uh, um, no, I kind of stand and watch. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could have done that today, right? <laughs> Apparently. Yeah, All right. I, just, I heard Anthony Richardson sort of said, yeah, he said you want to be a competitor and defend your teammates. But, you know, no, I, no you, you need to kind of pick your fights, and I've not found one I want to fight yet. Okay, so you said Jonathan Taylor is where you wanted to start, so tell me why you chose that over Anthony Richardson. Well, because Richardson's going to be here. <laughs> we, we know that. So I, I'm, I'm fascinated by this Jonathan Taylor situation uh, you know it I, I said this is like in college when i took debate they they sort of gave you a topic and you had to argue it whether you agreed or not this is one that if they gave me either one of these to argue i could argue it's it's difficult to resolve something when both sides have very good valid points and they do but at the end of the day <clears throat> The Colts are going to play September 10th, and they're going to have a running back, whether it's Jonathan Taylor or not. So at some point, each side has to understand what the end game can be, and are you willing to, to be the guy on the outside? I just At some point, it seems like Jonathan Taylor has to decide how far are you going to take this. Mike, to me, what is curious is this, and I'm going to – I think it was a little bit of gamesmanship, but I wanted your expertise to to go further on this. I was curious of the wording. 
when it comes out the report that the Colts have granted permission to Jonathan Taylor to seek a trade, a, a trade is not facilitated by the player. Uh, you know, I, unless the agent is calling around to find out whether or not there's somebody that's interested, and then he suddenly sends like the group email that's like, "Hey, guys, wanted to get everybody on the same page here and introduce right. you." Have you? Is that? Am I a moron, or is that? Well, yes, but is, is that new? The whole like we are allowing you to seek a trade. I think that's the new part of this. They, they've listened. I mean, if someone calls you, listen. I don't care who it's for whether it's Shaq Leonard or Forrest Buckner or whomever, you, you listen because maybe somebody just blows you out of the water. I think the different dynamic is that they have told his agent, hey, go out there. If you can find something, bring it back and let us know. This could simply be, you know, because it's been by about a month ago where Jim Irsay said, not trading him, not today, not in October. That's changed. To where, where, And I think they were always willing to listen. But here, I think that maybe this is a concession by the team that that it's gone to the point that, hey, if you think you can find something, go see it. it they're really sort of giving him a chance to, to to prove there's more out there than what people think is out there. And there's, you know, people need to keep in mind, what, you know, I was told that they, they're going to want a one or something equivalent to a one. But... But it, it, it at some point maybe maybe they came up, come off of those demands and they, they'll take a two or something. But because again, I, I don't know how this goes if he's here this year. It seems like they've really reached the point of no return. But any team that trades for him, a two, a one, two twos, whatever, the, the, you would think that they're going to have to sign him to an extension. Well, I, I just don't know which team is going to be willing to give up a high draft pick and give him whatever. Three years, forty million. I don't know. It's maybe maybe in March that happens. For that to happen in, in August is really difficult because of the, the way teams have their rosters done and their, their cap situation. You know, somebody said, "Well, Dallas could make it work." Yeah, but yeah, but they've got people coming up, Micah Parsons and the quarterback. So I don't know. Uh, maybe this is simply. The Colts saying, "If you think you're 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 that valuable, bring us back something and let us know." But you know, something has to be done by next Tuesday. I think it is because that, that's when rosters are cut to fifty-three. Is, is he active? Is he on pup? Which is four games. You know, deadlines spur actions, and that's what we're getting close to as a deadline. Mike, is it possible, as I had talked about earlier? that the Colts have tried every which way but Tuesday to let Jonathan Taylor and his representation know that while they love him as a player and a guy, they can't find it within themselves to find validation that he's worth, say, $16 million in an extension. So after not getting that message through to him, they basically said, you know what, fine, test the market. And, and and now you're going to find out. And then when he comes back, I, you know, isn't this their way of saying to him, you didn't get the message from us, so we'll let right. 31 other teams let you know. Yeah, I think that's the case. Now, what the result of that is, again, does a team come to the Colts and say, we'll give you X, whether it's a one or something lesser, I don't know. But again, what would it take for Taylor to go to agree to a trade and go somewhere else if he's not going to get the money? Does he want out of town that badly? You know, perhaps – it's just crazy how this thing has devolved since April when we're standing there and he says, 
hey, I, I, I would like an extension, but I, I, I want to be here. And, I, you know, I put pen to paper. I signed a four-year deal. That's my obligation. My goodness, how far we've come from that. So it, it, at some point he woke up and said, no, I, I'm drawing a line in the sand, and, and I deserve to be a top three or four paid running back. And he, he he's that good. He is. I, I, I kind of chuckle when I see people saying, no, this is just a guy. He's just a, no, he, he's, he's elite. He is. And the league has devalued running backs, but that doesn't devalue his value to, to, to what he brings to the position. So, again, you know, by the way, he's on PUP. He's, it, 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 it's such a strange dynamic where he wants to be paid top of the line, whatever, whatever that is, $13, $14 million a year. But he, he's insistent he's hurt. H- how does any team – make a trade of substance knowing that this guy to this point is, is hurt. I mean, he's telling us he's hurt because he's not practicing. Now, I, I kind of believe sort of that if the Colts give him three years, $40 million today, he practices tomorrow. I, I, I just do. But it seems like really if he's in such a difficult situation because he, he wants top money, but he's telling people he's not recovered from a high ankle sprain that he had surgery on in January. The Dean Mike Chappell, Fox News 9 and CBS 4, joins us. Chap, Albert Breer of SI had a column that came out today and addressed a number of different pieces, including the John and Taylor situation and what would be fair compensation for him. I'm not going to ask you to answer this from the Colts' perspective, like what would be fair value for them, but for you, if you're talking with your sources and a deal gets done, Optically speaking, the argument of it's better to get something for him than nothing when he walks. Would a third and a fifth round pick or just a second rounder straight up be appetizing from an optic standpoint of Jonathan Taylor's value? Man, I wouldn't take a three and a five. I mean, to me, that's you're dumping him. You're just saying go. You you, you don't want to be here. Go. A two, I would have to think about. I'd love a two. They got a two and a five for Marshall Falk. Back in the dark ages, people, you know, forget that they refused. They weren't going to renegotiate with him, and he wanted a new deal. Two and a five. I would probably do that. I just can't see a team giving a one. I, I, I just can't. But again, would, would they would they be willing to say no? We're going to stand firm on a one or a two and something. Failing that, we're going to make this guy be in our locker room all season. What what kind of atmosphere might that be not very pleasant that doesn't seem like to me by the way mike peterson brad scioli that's one of my favorite trivia questions chap and he was pretty good he was good player and and he didn't get a contract and he ended up signing with was it jacksonville or somebody uh he went to jacksonville and then marcus washington went to to Washington, Washington, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, and Brad Schioli was a pretty good player. I mean, he was. You know, he, he, he was the old grunt you need to have. So I, I, I just don't know if the, the people I've talked to, they insist they, they won't. They won't just have a garage sale and get rid of him. But that's almost cutting off your nose to spite your face. And, and who wins in that? And, and like I say, by, by Tuesday, he either has passive physical or he stays on pup and he misses at least the first four games. To me, the, 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 the flash point is the team saying, we say you are healthy, and Taylor says, no, I'm not. 
and then what do you do? I, I was talking to Rick Venturi when it was s- sort of similar with Eric Dickerson back in, I don't know whether it was 91 or 92, the, the years fade. But he, Dickerson refused to practice, so, so Venturi suspended him. Conduct detrimental to the team. It was like a four- or five-game suspension. Yeah, it was the 91 was season. Yeah. I think it was reduced to three th- three games, I think. I, I, again, they're fuzzy. But when you do that, th- then you get other other people involved with the union and all that stuff. And that's, just, that, that, that's the nuclear option of, of, of this is to do that. But, you know, when players have the, the leverage of the hammer, they use it. And when teams have it, they use it. So, again, the timing could not be worse. We've talked about this all off season. The timing couldn't be worse for Jonathan Taylor. The markets, you know, is a downturn. The team's coming off a four-win season. you got a new coach who, you know, there's a chance that Shane Steichen says, you know, he's a great player, but I don't need a great running back. You know, they had Miles Sanders last year and did, did fine. He had a strong season. So maybe this is Shane Steichen saying, you know, I think it's crazy to invest thirteen, fourteen million dollars on a running back, but but then but then too you've got the injury. You had the surgery, and you know you don't don't you have to prove through a month of practice or a couple of games that you're healthy? Totally for that kind of money, for sure, right? That, that, that's the whole thing. So it, all all the things that that could go wrong for the timing of Jonathan Taylor, they have is the imperfect storm for him. And I can say you just have it's, someone has to decide in Jonathan Taylor's camp is how far are they willing to go, and so far it's quite a bit. I mean, keep in mind, three weeks ago was it he, he went to, to work out on his own, and I I can't remember the last time once camp started that a player on, in rehab left left the team to go on his own. If that's not a slap in the face at the team, at the rehab, at the medical staff, I don't know what it is. Mike, let me throw one at you. Mike Chappell, CBS 4, Fox 59, our guest. Let me throw you an outside, like I had this epiphany. I shared it earlier, and I want you to tell me if you think it's the dumbest thing you've ever heard. I've heard a lot of dumb things from you, so go ahead. I know. Well, I know. (laughs) The bar Uh, is very high. Many of them on random phone calls at like 830 at night, right? (laughs) So I always take your calls, buddy. Well, I appreciate that. Um, is it possible, not probable, but is it possible that part of the reason the Colts have decided that Jonathan Taylor is not worth the $16 million, aside from the, the, the economic aspect and the running back devaluation aspect of it, is it possible that, that Shane Steichen in particular – feels that having a running back that is a game changer like Jonathan Taylor that forces teams to load the box actually would be providing too much of a crutch in the early development of Anthony Richardson and that there's no sense in having him wear an asbestos suit if they're going to make him go baptism by fire. Well, I, I would think I would think that JT has great value to Richardson, to his development. I mean, I just think it would take – some of, of some of the and I understand theory. theoretically that's obviously the thought right is you right. want that weapon for him but if they're looking at it and saying look when Anthony Richardson's entering his prime in three to four years Jonathan Taylor ain't going to be there so we might as that's well true. indoctrinate him now to that I wouldn't I, I, I would I would take the opposite approach because I, I want to make the, this is going to be a tough season anyway 
I don't care what he does, Richardson, it's going to be a tough season. So let's let, let's make his transition more, more more seamless. I mean, can just imagine when, when if JT's not here, the, the defensive approach to the Colts is is when they run that RPO, forget about the running back. You know, what's he going to hurt you with? Six or seven yards? You know, focus on the quarterback. And if you've got JT out there, it's different. If you don't pay attention to, to JT, he may go 80 yards on you. Well, Deion Jackson or Zach Moss or whomever is not going to go 80 yards. Right. So I, so I, I, I would take the other approach. That you, I, I would say, let's, let's make this as easy as we can. Let's get this offensive line to play, I don't know, five times better than last year. Let's get some from the run, from the receivers. And let's give him a running game that, that's not 95 yards a game and 3.6 a carry. So I, I, I think he brings value to that. But again, how do you value the value? Is, is it four point three million? Well, is it eight million? Chap, or is it thirteen? If I'm if I'm Jonathan Taylor's agent, or I'm Jonathan Taylor, and this is what's interesting to me, I think the Colts are basically saying to Jonathan Taylor, "Look, we're going to show you what the market value is because you're you're about to find out, right? We're, we're going right. to show you what the market value is." But if I'm Jonathan Taylor on the other side of that, I'm saying to the Colts. Well, if you're if you're dangling me out there and you're making it clear that you're not going to move me for anything less than a first round pick, that means in your opinion I'm worth a first round pick. So pay right. me like one. <laughs> I know, right? That's the thing. Everything works against each other. You're right. When we talk when we talk to Jamerse up at training camp, but you know, hey, I, I'm hopeful that Jonathan Taylor's here. You know, he, he said, you know, I, I I go back to when Peyton had Marshall Falk and what they did. Well, all you're doing is bumping up. The idea that the, that that kid is that important to you, but we're not going to pay you yet. And you know, I'm sure all Jonathan Taylor hears is, "Well, you're going to work my ass off this year, and then do I have any assurance you're going to pay me next year?" And, and the answer is no. So, it, but but again, it's just he's played three years, and and to think for him to think he's got the leverage. Of, of a five-year player, although God, they don't have a lot of leverage anymore. It, it's it's just it just it just works against him. It, it seems like, and again, if he starts missing games, that's you know I, I I don't know how you stop missing games. And at some point, if he misses enough games, he doesn't he doesn't get that fourth year to where he's a free agent next year, and then God, we're back here next year. That that's that's the the absolute worst case scenario is. Nothing gets done. He misses enough games to where he's not a free agent. We do all this again. This the, the owner did not put it really well when he said, "You know, if I die and Jonathan Taylor's not in the league, the league goes on." He was exactly right, Ursay was, but it just comes off sounding poorly that players are disposable. Well, you know, players are disposable, and it, it's a sad fact. And players don't want to hear it. You know, this is one reason that they generally have agents. When you go to negotiations, it can get personal. To where a, a team will say, well, we like your guy, but, you know, he's not a great pass blocker. He's not this, that, and the other. Well, you've got the agent to hear that. And if you've got a good agent, he doesn't relay that to the player. But but when but when the the player hears things that are negative, it it just and it would it's natural that he takes it to heart that well you don't you don't view me as that you you're you're seeing my negatives. It's like I say everything is so 
out of whack, and nothing that has gone on has advanced resolving this well. It just hasn't. And uh, will he be here? I thought he'd be here in September. Now I really think he's going to – I think they'll dump him. I I think at some point they're going to say, hey, we're done with it. Because I just – the idea of him sitting on on the bench and being at practice – and being in that locker room when he's either suspended, if he's suspended, he probably won't be here, or on pup, I, I just I just question what that does to the locker room when you've got one of your top two or three players not playing and and people questioning whether he's healthy or not. Chap, what do you attribute most to Anthony Richardson sitting out against the Bears and starting against the Eagles? I, I, I guess because they, they practice so much for two days against the Bears. I would have, I would have done the ceremonial, let him come out of the tunnel, and hear the cheers of the crowd, and and play a series or two, but not put him in harm's way. And then that's not any any, any better than than not playing him because what do you get out of it? Other than it's another thing he can cross off his list. I've been out there. I, I I've come out of the tunnel. He'll play this week on Thursday, which is good. So every, you know, I talked to Peyton Manning. He said every rep is important. You know, there are no bad reps. And he missed probably 15 reps against the Bears, but they'll move on. Chap, I do have, and I hate to go back to this, another Taylor question because you often, as as we got to, you have to explain things to me sometimes because I'm not very smart and I don't understand them. And then, <laughs> and yet you've got a radio show. Holy smokes! Well, don't don't say it too loudly. <laughs> I don't I don't want to figure it out here, Mike. Um, Two part question, I guess. And the first is, I I understand the financials of it, but it seemed to me that Jonathan Taylor's percolating discontent with the franchise predates when the extension discussions began. So what is the genesis of Jonathan Taylor's discontent with the franchise, and do you believe that his injury right now is legitimate? Uh, I'll take the second part first. I, I, I really have a hard time disagreeing with a player who says he's injured. That's, I mean, how do you know? But the optics just don't add up. I think I think this is a hold in, and that's just me. I'm just from being around it. I I think if he got the extension, he'd be there tomorrow. And if and if he gets a trade or an extension somewhere else, he'll be ready to go. So, and the other part is, I don't think this began when the negotiations didn't go anywhere. I think it began because there were no negotiations. I think the genesis of this is when they met, whenever in the off season, Chris Ballard and and Taylor and and Ballard and whatever the words he uses, listen, you know, we, we you know, as he says, we love Jonathan Taylor, but we're not going to give you an extension, and we want you to play this season out, and then we'll 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 talk when the season's over. I think when when I, that was a flashpoint to me is when they said no, we're not giving you an extension. When up until then, when you know, up until then, they talked and we wrote that. You know, Jay, this is a great time. This is the time that JT and Michael Pittman uh, to, to extend those guys. Now they're two separate cases, but I think when, when reality hit that they were not going to extend him and they weren't even going to talk about it, numbers never came up. We we don't know what he wants because we've never, and that stuff normally leaks out. 
you know, I've heard three years, 40 million, but, but I, n- not from anywhere that, that, that I really believe that's a number. But I think it all, everything that went south was when they told him they weren't going to tri- uh, give him an extension. And that's probably when he changed agents. I, I think that that's, those things go together. And ever since then, like I said, that, that was prior to, I put pen to paper, I signed a four-year deal, that's my obligation. Then there had to be, well, that's fine, but we're not going to give you an extension. And then stuff hit the fan, and here we are. Mike, what position battle right now is taking place before our eyes with the Colts that we're not noticing because of Richardson Taylor and the other mainstream drama? Well, we've, we've, we've paid attention to the local guys. Uh, the cor- cornerbacks – you know, with Juju Brents and, and and Dallas Flowers and Darius Rush, we wrote about it. It's just that when when you got the other positions, you know, dominating, but that safety, you know, they've had injury and tight end for crying out loud. They've had people that are going to be players for them that haven't practiced. They got a few of those guys back today, Molly Cox and one of the young kids. I get them mixed. I think I think Drew Ogletree practiced and Jelani Woods didn't, and, and they've got some tough decisions at those positions, you know, again, tight end and corner come to mind. Uh, beyond that, I, I think they're set in most places. But when you've got the quarterback and the running back, it, it, it just kind of, like I said, I keep coming back to it, it just sucks the air out of the room because they're so important to the advancement of this team. Chap, to kind of build off that question, how tough is it going to be from a cut-down day standpoint uh, compared to years past when they have to go down to the 53-man roster? I sat yesterday and just quickly went through. I got them down to 43 that I'm really comfortable with. That's 10. That's 10 spots. And one thing that everybody's got to keep in mind, the Colts are fourth in the waiver wire claim business. So when when teams cut their, gosh, what's the math? When they cut 23 players or whatever it is, 33 and 37 or whatever. Again, my ball state math isn't helping me out. When all these players get cut, the Colts have the fourth claim on them. I can see Joel Erickson and I keep going back and forth. He thinks five. There could be five waiver claims. That, to me, is a bit high, but I wouldn't be surprised. So there could be four or five guys that probably aren't here yet. I've always said the worst day of the year is when these teams make a cut, make make the cut to 53, and some rookie out of wherever makes it. And he calls home and says, Mom, our dream made it. You know, I, I made the team. And then the Colts claim somebody, and he's the one that's cut. So uh, I think they're going to be very, very active on, on the uh, on the on the waiver wire, a lineman or two, uh, a corner, maybe a safety. So they, they're going to find better people on the waiver wire at a couple spots than they're going to keep on the initial cut. I, I believe that. Uh, of the 43 that you came up with, Mike, how many are tight ends? Four. And you know, I was thinking Mo, Joanie, Woods, Drew Ogletree, and and, and Kylan Granson, and that's probably putting Will Mallory on on the practice squad if he clears waivers. Yeah, uh, there's probably got there's, there's probably eight or ten tight ends, but that's that's a reflection of three or four of those guys being out for such a long time. And do but, they? Yeah. Does the roster build at all? Mike Chappell, does the roster build at all in the selecting maybe the final piece or two 
Have they seen enough from Shaquille Leonard from a health standpoint to not in any way, shape, or form buy themselves insurance there? Or is that still a factor in the roster build? I think, they, I think they're convinced that he's, that he's back to where he can play. Now, is he back to an all-pro? Probably not. It didn't help that he got a concussion, but it's really pretty. It, it's, I don't want people to take this wrong, but a concussion is a better option than more back issues. Although we need to keep in mind that he, this is his second or third concussion. So those are, those are nothing to, 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 to make light of at all. But I think they've seen enough of him that he, he, he's back. But, again, if you, if you find a linebacker, you know, it, it's him and Zaire Franklin and, and E.J. Speed and then some young guys. And if, you, if somebody's out there that you like better than, than, than the bottom of the roster, you'll bring them in because you've got to have, you know, linebackers and, and DBs are the guys that are on the, 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 in, in special teams. So if they find a linebacker they got, I wouldn't I wouldn't hesitate at all. Now whether that's a reflection of not not thinking Shaq's ready, it might be more just to strengthen the position as a whole. Chap, last thing on my end, when I'm looking as well with the roster cuts and I'm looking at what's going to be available, I think about the never ending battle between do joint practices matter, do preseason games matter. Shane Steichen told the media today, as we mentioned at the top of the conversation, Anthony Richardson's gonna start for you, who who needs to start on this team in the final preseason game? Because he said it's going to be a case-by-case basis for which of the ones are actually getting the starting nod on Thursday night. Well, if they're starting Anthony Richardson, to me, they're starting off into line plays, and, and they play together as long as he's out there. Whether that, I, I don't think Will Fries will be ready. We'll see about Ryan Kelly. Uh, receivers, maybe you go with with Pittman and Pierce, and the, the guy to watch is Josh Downs. He's he's still listed number two as a third receiver behind uh, Isaiah McKenzie. I think Josh Downs has passed him. Defensively, it, it'll be it'll be hit and miss, I suppose. I, I would play my star most of my starters. Let let Divorce Buckner get out there. Maybe it, it depends on how he comes out of out of the joint practice, but. All those corners, they need to play. So, you know, give Juju Brents a, a bunch of snaps. You know, whether Julian Blackman plays or not, I don't know. But I, I think more starters will play than not play. But, again, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't play them a half. I'd, I'd play them, I don't want to say a quarter or, or series, but like 20 snaps. It, it's the snaps, not the length of time. So, we're gonna. It, it'll actually look like a game for the first quarter, quarter and a half. Chap, my last question, actually, uh, I wanted you to clarify this. People have asked me about it. Kevin had mentioned it when I was doing the mornings with him. Um, As we were watching practice, I think you might have been sitting there. We were out at Grand Park, and I was observing. Clearly, we know Richardson's the guy. Clearly, we know Gardner Minshew has done a a really admirable job of not only when he's played, but I think also of understanding his role. Sam Ellinger's a guy that clearly Jim Irsay likes. What is the new – because people have asked me, they're like, well, the Colts actually keep three quarterbacks? And Kevin had made mention of this. There is a new, what, like rule, roster, whatever it might be, that allows for the three that, – that facilitates for three quarterbacks to be carried, correct? Yeah, but he's – for game day to where he doesn't count against your active players, but if something happens, if the extreme happens, he, you can act – he can not activate him because he's dressed, but he can play. But the the only thing is he's got to be on your fifty three. This can't be a practice squad guy that, you know, like they always bring up. What is it? 
is it two or three practice squad players? Uh, you'd have to he'd have to be in your active roster, which which I assume you can add him to your active roster on Wednesday or Thursday and make him eligible to play. But then again, that, then you can only do that three times in a row. There are there are there are hiccups for that. And will they carry three quarterbacks, or do they feel like they need to? I, I don't know. I, I don't see the where that's going to be so tough to where that fifty third spot is it is it a, is it Sam Ellinger or is it another corner or defensive lineman? It doesn't seem like this team is that deep to where that spot's going to hurt you. So maybe they keep Sam. I I, I don't think. And I tell you, I love Sam Ellinger, and he's such a good influence on this team. But it wouldn't stun me if he's on the practice squad, but neither would it surprise me if he's on the if he's on the fifty three because he's got value. Either way, plenty to cover, plenty to write about, and plenty of fights to watch. So we'll let you get back to exactly that, Mike. But I appreciate the time as always today, man. Good talking to you. Thanks, Mike. Stay in touch, guys. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.